Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir? Woo! I'm okay, thank you, John. Uh, just saying off air that I've been struck down this weekend with a uh, with a cold and a croaky throat. So for our listeners out there, please do excuse the odd moment where my voice suddenly goes really high because my throat can't control it, but... Um, oh, I'm doing very well. Always enjoy a good BAMP session with the statesman. So, how's Florida? How you, how is it keeping? It's it's keeping warm as uh, as it it likes to do. You know, it's like 91 degrees out there right now, and uh, you know, we're just trying to to count down for me the the end of the school year. We're just a few weeks away. I think we're three and a half weeks away um, from summer vacation, and I am I'm ready for it, man. This year has been chaos in a lot of ways, and while I've done the most with what I can, I I hope that we're able to return safely to the normal classroom next year and not do the hybrid thing because it, it's wearing, man. It's it's a wearing process. So um, I do I love getting to talk about movies with my students, but a lot of them don't talk when they're at home, and I don't know for sure how many of them hear me. So it, it'd be nice to to be able to at least like there's something about looking at a person's face and knowing they're not listening to you versus like talking to a computer screen and hoping they're listening to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I, I'm really, I'm ready for summer. Very much. So how about yeah, you? Me, I'm ready for summer as well. Um, I, I am very much an autumn man. I love the, I love that time of the year, but given how no sounds proper cliche and we do mention on, but given how things have been the last year, I'm quite looking forward to a bit of sunshine, being able to go out in said sunshine and just have a good time. Last summer was a write-off, so bring on the summer this year, my friend. Bring on the cinema reopening. Bring on the films. Bring on the ice cream and all the stuff that's bad for me. I'm here for it, man. That's a, yeah, indeed. Like uh, Ice cream, you know, I do have to watch what ice cream, but I do like some ice cream. Um, all of it. Yeah, well, you know, some of it is easier to like uh to justify eating you know like there's the yeah. keto friendly ice cream and um like i'm a big fan of the halo ice cream which is like low uh oh, i want another one yep yeah low everything is pretty good halo top sorry it's halo yeah. top it's not just it. i but, almost bought some of that today true story it's good i i like it um i like it a little more than some of the other stuff uh enlightened has really good ice cream bars though that, that if i'm getting enlightened i like the bar i'm getting uh, just like a, a pint i'm down for um halo top Man, I also like just getting a tub of Ben and Jerry's and eating the whole oh, thing. I've got yeah, no shame in admitting that. Oh, Ben and Jerry. Well, you know, uh, we got our dogs some ice cream the other night <laughs> no, um, from uh, from the store. Like they have a bunch of prepackaged stuff. Mm-hmm. And Ben and Jerry's has a, a dog um, version now. But we I, I don't remember what brand we bought. But uh, it was funny watching our dogs eat it because they started very apprehensively. Like, what is this? And then they could not get enough of it. Um, and one was like too stubborn to like lay down and like wrap his paws around it. So he just kept like walking as the cup was like sliding on the floor. <laughs> Dad, um, my food's cold. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they were both very, very into it so much so that when uh, he finished, he realized he had some on his nose. So he started wiping it with his paw and then licking his paw to get the ice cream off of his <laughs> face. So it, it was, it's a, it's a hit in the house of the pups. Uh, they enjoyed the ice cream very much. So, here we go. My friend, you've introduced your dogs to the ice cream. You've, you've enlightened them. You've opened up their, yes. the world of possibilities to your canine friends. Which is good in case we're ever attacked by machines. And that is Ooh. a good segue into the movie we're going to be reviewing this week. Uh, if you listened to the last episode, you, we told you we we're going to be reviewing the Mitchells versus the Machines 
uh, Netflix original uh, from this year. Um, just a couple of weeks out, uh, we were, were a week behind, I think, with its actual release date. We picked uh, the better movie, Without Remorse, first. Oh. That's a little bit of sarcasm, everybody. Oh, damn. Um, uh, this movie, Mitch, oh. The Mitchells vs. the Machine, is directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe and written by them as well. Stars Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Michael Rianda, uh, the, the director, um, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, and a few other uh, voice actors pop up. But these are the big uh, six um, that need to be named dropped. There's some other really good voice work in this movie, though. Uh, the synopsis from IMDb is a quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Uh, it's getting mostly positive praise all across the board. A 97% Rotten Tomato score, 81 meta score. So it, it even gives some uh, credence to that. It's not just positive ratings. It's generally very well liked. And a 7.9 IMDb user score. Wow. And it, uh, we don't always talk producers, but Phil Lord is one of the producers of this film. Yep, I saw that. And it definitely has his kind of signature on his style. So it's worthy of note, I think, in this case. And again, as we mentioned, it is currently available to stream on Netflix. Um, and if you've never listened to our show, uh, we, we pick a movie every week, we review it and I'm going to go first. Um, I absolutely love this movie so much. Um, I, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I barely knew it was coming out. And when I had already picked without remorse and I suddenly saw a bunch of critics were like raving about this. I'm like, Oh, I picked, <laughs> I picked wrong. You suddenly um, had remorse, but yes. Uh, and I still knew nothing about it. I, I heard a little bit. I heard a little bit. Like I heard Phil Lord getting tossed around. I heard Danny McBride and Maya Rudolph were in it. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. And uh, when we decided to review it, I was like, okay, still, I know very little. I don't know what I'm getting into. And I, when I put it on, I, I was immediately taken by it. I, lo- I like the look of this movie. I think it's very mm-hmm. cool looking. Um, I didn't know the full premise. Uh, that one this movie for me, and I think this is an important caveat for all the listeners out there, but my daughter is about to become a senior in high school. She is at the end of her junior year, which means in theory, I have one year left before she might run off to college. And Ew. this movie is dealing with that. And so I connected very much so to uh, all of it. Um, there's a lot about it. I would not say I, I connect to the father in the sense that I don't, I'm nothing like the dad. If anything, I'm more like the college kid because I'm a computer nerd and things like that. Um, and if, I'm, I'm a film junkie. That's pretty obvious. Uh, she is, as one of the other things, this movie checks a box for me. She's a wannabe film student. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm on board. Uh, like you got a, a, a dad and daughter strained relationship because of age and growing up and, and growing apart. You have her wanting to be a film student. I'm like oh, all on that. Anyways, anytime a movie's about filmmakers, I tend to be a sucker for it. Um, the animation is really cool because it is a hybrid style of animation. Uh, it's not, it's getting a lot of comparison to into the spider verse because Phil Lord's name is attached to it. But in that it is not like any other animated film I've seen. Um, the animation style is unique. They have a, a, a bunch of different mediums intertwined into this film. You have mm-hmm. 2d hand-drawn stuff that's superimposed on top of what I want to call 3d, but I heard other people just calling it a, like a computer 2d animation. Um, I had uh, 3d in my head watching it, but I'm not the expert. Yeah. Uh, me either but i i to me it was 3d animation with 2d animation on top of it and with scanned images we have still real life photos shown in this movie for some unexplainable reason to be honest like there's some weird stuff with that but uh it's weird in general and i i love that whole tone and vibe about it um i i did listen to uh the slash film cast review of this so 
I, I'm trying not to repeat anything they said or let their opinion sully mine. They were a little more down on it. They enjoyed it overall, but they got real like nitpicky about plot points and stuff that I was not bothered by. Like none of their their nitpicks are things I felt. I cried at least four times during this movie. Yeah. Um, I laughed even more. I found this movie to be absolutely hilarious. I laughed at stupid jokes. Um, there is a lot of like setup payoff that is pretty blatant, but yeah. I. I didn't dislike that. I found it like, I, cause I, I do think this is geared for a little younger audience for the most part, while still definitely appealing to people in our situation where we have kids, we can understand the family dynamics. We get those things. There's a lot of movie references. Uh, there's yeah. a clear homage to a Tarantino film. I won't say what or how, cause we avoid spoilers, but it's uh, if you've seen Tarantino's oeuvre, you will know what movie they are pulling from uh, it, both in visual, but also music. Um, which was surprising to me. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pull right there. That's a film nerd pull. Um, and I, I just, there was, I ate this movie up. I loved every second of it. I totally see rewatching this film. Um, this is going to be one of those rare Netflix things where if I see this on Blu-ray, I'll probably buy it to add to my collection. Um, hopefully Criterion will snatch this up. Um, cause they did the Irishman and marriage story. So, you know, Hey, come on there. Uh, There's a precedence. I, I, I like animated films in general. Um, this this was just out of left field for me. I was not anticipating this one. Um, and I, I would be, as much as I am a Pixar fanboy, I would be surprised if any of the Pixar movies from this year are going to knock this one off for my favorite. Uh, I, I just, this movie checked literally every one of my boxes for me. And while uh, I do find some of the the story stuff, con- there's some contrivances and stuff. It just felt right in this world to me. Like it just made sense in the story that they were telling that some of the stuff would be like, okay, why would they have that item like all the time? That's a weird yeah. random thing that is a payoff later. It's, it's a blatant holding up of a Chekhov's gun type moment, but I think it works for what it's doing. I, I don't feel like it's trying to be super smart while yet still being very smart. Um, I've never seen Gravity Falls, which is where uh, Michael Rianda is apparently yeah. from. Um, but my daughter loved that show uh, years ago. So I, I took that as enough credit to kind of go into this with a positive vibe. Um, it it kind of made me want to go back and watch Gravity Falls because if it's half as good as this, I would I would enjoy it very much. And if it's better than this, well, heck, what have I been missing out on? Because this is, for me, just I loved it. And um, really want to give props to McBride and Rudolph because – I think they are both um, they both get typecast a lot. And I think that in some ways they're playing on their types, but they're also, they're almost not recognizable as McBride and Rudolph to me. Like I know it's them, but I also would have, if, if I didn't know it was them, I don't know if I would have identified it as them um, yeah. outright. And Olivia Coleman is so charming in this movie uh, um, as she's the antagonist. I won't say what, cause I don't know. Uh, if everyone needs to know everything, there's a few things that they play as like twists, but at the same time, I think they're pretty straightforward twists. Yeah. So, but I loved it. What did you think, Matt? Um, first, I'm, I'm not going to pick too many plot holes in a film about a robot apocalypse. I think there's already a big issue there. Robots aren't going to turn against us, or will they? Which is what the film's going to trying to tell us here. There's a lot of um, a lot of messages and a lot of themes and a lot of underlying subtext to this film, which isn't subtle. And I like it. And I really enjoyed the film as well. I really did. Um, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the post, when, when we said we we're going to do this, I thought, fine, no issue. Then I saw the poster and I thought, and a couple of still images and I thought, oh, is this going to be one of those kind of 
throwaway animated films, which, you know, looks good, kind of gets all the beats in, but doesn't really have anything at the, at its core. But this film did, as you say, John, it had a, had a very, very emotional core to it with the family uh, dynamic. And of course, father and daughter as a father with a daughter as well. It was a different kind of connection, but it, I still like you. I watched it and I think I'm just getting soft now, but I'm sitting there trying not to bore my eyes out. Every time I see anything to do with a father daughter relationship, I always end up yeah. grabbing it. I don't know what it is, but um, so uh, Statesman and Kingsman together waterworks, but you know, I, I had a good time. I had a good, I, there were some moments in here where I sat there and did actually laugh out loud at um, the, it, it looked good. As you say to me, it was 2d and 3d. I don't know the, the terms of that. So I'm going 2d, 3d, uh, the kind of live action, um, the live action additions as well worked quite well. I can see a lot of people being turned off by certain aspects of this. For example, when it gets a bit more, when it gets a bit quirkier, when it gets a bit more stylistic with um, having overlays and adding in uh, live action videos, shall we say? I can see if some people thinking, "Oh, that's you know, that's not for them," but it worked for me. I think when you realise that in the synopsis is a quirky family then no, you, you kind of have to expect that. They're not going to be the most uh, normal of people, if you will, and especially uh, Abby Jacobson's character, Kate. The films she makes aren't normal. They're not weird. They're not like um, snuff films or weird like that, but they are those kind of out there internet movies. And, you know, I found them funny. Even though they were a film within a film, I thought they were funny. The star of the show for me was The Pug, uh, he was he was my hero <laughs> throughout, and yeah, Olivia Coleman was great in her role. It's good to see Olivia Coleman. Not that she isn't can't do different things because I I came to know her through Peep Show, which is a British comedy. Um, that's how I first knew her. So when she went on to win an Oscar, I was like, ah, the woman from Peep Show won an Oscar. Cool. And she's also um, in Hot Fuzz. Uh, in uh, yes, where it's fake boobs, uh, like a like like <laughs> a pair of plastic like like they look you know like the cheap plastic halloween mask yep. that level of of costume boobs that she wears over her clothes at one scene in that movie for i don't even remember why but it's it's you know she's the fe- only female cop on the force and she's yeah totally great what are you trying to say they didn't fool you he didn't believe they're real um i mean they yeah. weren't going for that though right like that's not it's not like they were trying to make them real like it was just her being silly in the yeah. in the precinct but if you can't right there every every the voice actor is really good here there, I I I like the story. I like where they took it. I like the animation. I like the music. I did like the deep dives. There were other films I noticed in there as well. Some from, like you mentioned, Tarantino. A few, a, f- a few uh, kind of family horror film um, nods in there as well. So I saw those. But no, I I liked it. It's a, it, it was a fun cautionary tale with you know a very over the top message in the middle there you know the what they were saying is is correct but i'm not so sure that we're gonna have that robot apocalypse in the way that the film does but that to me isn't an issue because i had a really really good time watching this and i had no expectation i'd heard it was good you know i heard people saying it was great and we know through through pixar and pretty much most other animation studios that animated films don't have to be for kids and just because they look like they're for kids or they are aimed at kids it doesn't mean they're not going to be good or accessible most of them actually are most of the pixar films or the animated films end up being better than a lot of live action films that come out that year and like you say in terms of animated films i know we've got luca and a couple more this year from disney or pixar this looks like this, this 
this could be up the top there somewhere, dude. And it's, it's May. We've just had the Academy Awards. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a Netflix animated film up for best animated feature. Well, I mean, we have Wolfwalkers, uh, which should have won. Um, well, no yeah, you're, yeah. Soul, but like, cause I liked soul and I liked, um, the other Pixar film that's not coming to me right now. Uh, um, onward. Yes. Onward. I was like, once is not the right movie. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I liked all those. I didn't see, there was one other animated film I didn't see. Um, I think on the list, but, uh, like I haven't seen Raya and the last dragon yet because I didn't want to pay the $30 and I haven't had a chance to see it in the theater. Um, I, I anticipate loving that movie and uh, I'm very excited for it. Well, I, I don't want to say very excited for Luca. I am lukewarm about Luca. Luca uh, yeah. But you know, I am hopeful. I like Jacob Tremblay. I like Pixar. Mm-hmm. So it's probably gonna be better than I'm expecting. Of course. Um, and I, I think there might be one more coming out this year. I there think. is. I really can't think what it's called though. And I really feel like yeah. I should, we should know this, but I can't think. Yeah. It's, there's just so much and it's, everything keeps getting shuffled. So it's even harder to keep track of when stuff is supposed to be. And um, I know that Pixar was really mad because the two Pixar films are not getting, um, they're just getting dumped on Disney plus. They're not getting the $30 rental fee, yeah. um, which I'm excited about. Cause that means I get to watch it right away. I just, I, I understand why they would be upset because it is like, what, our movie is not worth the $30 rental fee, but Raya is because it's just a Disney proper. Like, let's be real. Pixar's pretty much had the, the better options for most of the time here. So, Pixar you know. is what I think of when I've thought of Disney uh, mm-hmm. for my, over the last decade almost because the best yeah. things to come out of that Disney as a whole have been from Pixar. Uh, Encanto is the other one coming out. Disney, Encanto. I don't remember what that is. But yeah, um, you know, so who knows, obviously, like you're saying, uh, and I don't, there might be some other animated stuff coming out from the other studios. I don't, is the Despicable Me prequel coming out? Well, I thought it was meant to be coming out. Um, what's it called? Um, Gru, isn't it? Rise of the Minions. Oh, it's Minions 2 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's, it's I'm not sure it's coming out this year. I thought it was coming out kind of August, September time. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was supposed to be last year and then they pushed it back. And then uh, I don't know if Clifford is counting as an animated film or not. Um, but th- they're supposed to do the live action, big red dog movie at some point this year. Um, so who knows? Uh, Can it minions, the rise of Gru, uh, 2022. Now it's coming out oh, July 1st, 2022. Wow. They, they knew they had no chance against these other movies. Um, exactly. The minions are clearly going to win an Oscar one day. Um, but, Nevertheless, without shade throwing at the, you know, the infinity for, uh, company, <laughs> um, I think it's infinity, right? Something like that. Um, Something like that. that would, yeah, I would do that. That's, that's, I guess it, uh, we don't do spoilers, so we don't want to get into any more detail, but, um, I, I love this movie. I mm-hmm. really find it super enjoyable. It's definitely something you can watch with the family. Yes. Um, it might get a little scary, I guess, but even the, the robot apocalypse is done in a kind of silly and friendly ish oh, yeah. yeah. way. Um, so we're we're saying about being dads with kids who got um, emotional about this. There's a few moments in here where the mums are going to be like, God damn. Yes. This is yeah. my, this is my dream. This is me behind it all. So that there, there's something for everyone in this film. And it really is. Yeah. And, and again, there's, there's definitely some tropes and stuff, but I think of a course. lot of that is because it's geared towards a slightly younger audience. Um, there's nothing and, you won't expect here. Yeah. But it's super enjoyable, and I definitely highly recommend it. It sounds like Matt does as well. Yep. Agreed, my friend. Then let's go to our next segment on the BAMP podcast here. We like to do chopped headlines. 
these are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention on the headlines over the last week. Uh, Matt, why don't you go first? What, what headline grabbed your eye? Well, we are talking about family-friendly flicks, so I thought I would uh, bring up a family-friendly flick, which is releasing very soon, Spiral. The well, re- formerly known, I think, as Spiral from the Book of Saw, they've released the a clip, the open the clip from the opening scene of the film. And what caught my eye on this was I've noticed in the last kind of certainly the last week, but mainly the last fortnight, the Spiral uh, social media team have really started. They've really ramped up their marketing. So they're every day they're posting multiple times about um, Saw the franchise this film or just putting like a spiral spin on current events. They're really going for it. So I saw this headline. I thought, you know what? I'm intrigued by spiral because of the yeah. Chris rock connection. We mentioned that off air, like, you know, stone face, Chris rock. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Sam Jackson's in it. Plus the sort of films, they do well for what they are and they have, um, they have a following, but I, for me, Personally speaking, I can't speak for everyone. Personally speaking, I kind of fell off of them after like, the fourth one, I think, because Same. I was just like, do you know what? I, I know what I'm, uh, yes, I know what I'm going to get, but there's only so much of getting the same without any kind of deviation, really. And I know there were plot twists and that thrown in regarding Jigsaw and apprentices and all that, but it, it just became a bit boring, right? It wasn't, it, it became like escalation for escalation's sake. So, Bringing this back, and it was supposed to be more in the vein of the first one, the people who are attached to it. I thought, okay, you know, I, I'm intrigued. The first trailer came out. I thought that looked quite good, actually. And recently, they dropped a three-minute clip from the intro, from the uh, opening scene of Saw Spiral. Now, I'm not going to describe it entirely, again, because if anyone's listening and they want to go in spoiler-free, I totally respect that. Um, so, all I will say that is, if you like the Saw films. You're going to like what if you're, you're, it seems like Spiral is going to be in that same vein. It looks like it's going to mix to me. It looks like it's going to feel like a mix of the the first film and the kind of police detective work of the next film with the gadgets and traps of every film. So they're really mixing the whole thing up and pulling from all of the films. And I watched it, and for the first time in a long time, watching a Saw uh, film or any kind of Saw related. Um, video. I was, I was watching it, getting a bit. I was, you know, gr- clenching my fist. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is horrible." You know, it it was grisly, and it mm-hmm. was it was quite frightening. And it's what the fans of Saw are going to love. And I found myself watching this like this three minute, like quite nasty video has got me quite excited for this film. Even though I'm, you know, fairly intrigued, it's like awf- awfully gory clip. Got me really excited. So, um, if you're if you're looking forward to Spiral and you like the other films, just from this clip alone, it looks like you know you never yes. know, but it looks like they've got the tone right for the sore heads out there, and also for someone like me who isn't one of those, it's dragged me in a bit more, my friend. So, um, did, I don't know if you've seen the clip or not, but Spiral, what are your thoughts and feelings going into that? Oh Jesus Christ! Um, I just watched the clip <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> Yes, all on the mic. Um, and I had the audio off, so I didn't hear any of the dialogue. But I, I was just watching it while you. Your were reaction is exactly it. Yeah, it it you t- it could not have timed better. It literally the the end of the clip happened as you <laughs> asked me that. Um, so 
I, I thought the initial part of the clip looked a little a little too silly. Like mm-hmm. even some of the the camera stuff they're doing is like they're they're like really over stylizing it. Like yeah, that a lot of like canted angles, lighter soul films. See, which the first film is so grounded, and that was the one that I really got into. Like I remember seeing that and The Grudge. I think within a few months of each other, and I was like, horror's back. Like I was like really into both of those movies at the time. Um, I, I think I'm right. I think they were like within a month or two of each other. Yeah, or they were, yeah, right about the same time. Um, and I really liked both at the time. And I was, um, you know, I was in college, I think when, when Saw came out, if I'm not mistaken, or mm-hmm. I was just out of college and I was really into the first three or four films. And I, I always thought they were so smart. I, I had not seen Ocean's 11, uh, at that point. Yeah, and right. now, now in hindsight, I see like the, they kind of do the oceans thing where like they, you get to the end and they're like, Oh no, here's what really happened. And then they yeah. like show you how you got there. <laughs> And you're like, oh, that's so smart. And at the same time, it's really not. It's just like lazy writing. It's like, no, no. Oh, no. Yeah. We're just going to tell you all this stuff happened now. Like, it, it actually doesn't make any sense if you were to actually lay this out in any kind of strategic just way. Just to make but, sure you understood what was going on. Here's right. a recap at the end so you can go out thinking, wow, that was great as a twist. When really, yeah. they're just telling you what happened. Yeah, it's really like you could have just done the movie because I didn't get any of that. Like, yeah, there was no way I could have figured out all of these twists because mm-hmm. it, it's not plausible. <laughs> But um, at the time, it always I was like, "Oh, these are so smart." And in, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, "Okay, they tricked me. I fell for the trick. I fell for the gag," um, which a lot of people did. That's why these mm-hmm. movies have five. I was really disappointed with Jigsaw. Um, Same. And so, Spiral, I'm intrigued by. I am a bi- I'm a big Sam Jackson fan. I don't know how anyone can not be. Uh, I like Chris Rock. I actually was a huge Chris Rock fan in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. His stand up that he did, and he had the, the "There's No Sex in the Champagne Room" like gag song kind of thing it was like right when i was you know getting ready to graduate um so i was i had that comedy album i listened to it all the time like i was a big fan of his um i even i grew up with him on saturday night live and even in living color um so like i knew i've always liked rock even when he's kind of he's done some bad movies i think his movie uh, career is not as strong as uh some other things but this role is so different for him um and it's almost like he's trying to rebrand himself a little as a, as a more serious actor. I mean, he's done some serious roles, but generally speaking, we think of him as a comedian. And so I'm intrigued to see him in this. Um, I, th- they definitely got the gruesome factor. I don't know if they got the rest of the style, right. Uh, in my opinion, but like you're saying, maybe it matches more of the later stuff, which isn't reassuring to me. Um, but you know, maybe if that's, maybe it'll work. I don't know. I didn't dislike that clip and maybe if I'd heard the dialogue, it would have worked even more, but uh, even the guy's costuming just feels out of place. Like he, he looks like he's like, are you a detective in Miami in like the sixties? Like what's happening? Like, <laughs> a bit cheap, isn't it? Yeah. Like the, the, the hat and the, even the color pal- palettes, like very Miami vice. Like it's what, what's happening. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it though. Cause uh, again, I think this will be my return to theaters. Um, Mm-hmm. And so that's a big deal, you know. Sweet, no, well, that's why I wanted to get your opinion on it. I got it, and everyone else got it at the same time as well. So yeah, yeah I'm, look, I'm looking for. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, the the police officer does look a bit um like he forgot his costume and had to go down the fancy dress shop. But um, no, color me intrigued, my friend. So what have you gone for this week? Um, something equally as grisly, I imagine. Kind of. Um, I didn't know this was happening. Uh, this headline caught my eye because Tom Cruise in a headline is usually one of two things. <laughs> it's either something promoting a movie or it's something like it's it's some usually like derogatory about him because Cruz is pretty smart to uh stay out of 
most headlines in my opinion like especially since the um like everything's very strategic is what i'm saying he's in headlines but it's usually because like he's a scientologist and so people are like trying to like attack or or figure out the motivation for something he's doing right Mm -hmm. and so to see him kind of taking a stance in a political way i was surprised um my headline is tom cruise returns all three of his Golden Globe trophies to uh, amid the HFPA, that's the Hollywood Foreign Press Association controversy. Um, I didn't know explicitly what the controversy was until recently. I know there's been controversy with the Golden Globes for years. Yeah. And a listener, if you're not familiar, the Hollywood Foreign Press selects the Golden Globe winners every year. And there's always a lot of controversy around these awards. No one really even seems to understand why these are so popular. Like the, in America, they seem to be the second most important movie award. It's the Oscars and then the Globes. And we don't really know why. Like there's, it's not like, like I never even understood how the voting process worked until the last couple of years. And um, it has been pointed out that none of the Hollywood foreign press has a black journalist. There's not one. Uh, among the foreign press, which is already a small group of, of quote unquote international journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this controversy uh, is, you know, th- that there's no representation basically in this group of voters. And so a lot of the industry is standing up to change this and or outright boycotting it. The M- NBC has already said they're not going to air next year's wow. Golden Globes. Um, and that's where Tom Cruise has stepped in. Now, again, he's not the first to do this. And he, but he is definitely the biggest. I mean, there are some who argue he is the basically the last traditional movie star, where his name above the title alone brings ticket sales. And Will Smith, I think, would be the second uh, argument. Um, yeah, I wouldn't argue with Tom Cruise at all. No, but so for him to do that is big because um, it's going to get attention. Uh, you know, like Scarlett Johansson um, spoke out against it and other other actors are stepping up and saying things. But um, Cruz is a, a huge name to make this kind of declaration and to return the trophy. So uh, maybe we're going to see a, a major shift. Maybe we'll just see the Golden Globes phased out completely and no longer be a relevant thing to talk about, which realistically, why not? Like, why? How many awards do we actually need to give movies? Um, you know, there's already a lot of issues with the Oscars. and so. Here's a, a worse organization that we're giving time and credence to. Like, yeah. maybe maybe that's the problem. Uh, maybe we because there was a time when MTV, when the MTV awards felt legitimate. It was like this weird push um, where I think even for people my age at the time, which I'm thinking it's like early 2000s, the MTV awards mattered more than the Oscars to us because they were actually movies we were seeing versus the Oscar movies that we yeah. weren't able to see. And the categories are so much more varied. Uh, and they felt more more like what we would want awards to be given for. Yeah, and now they they feel like they've become a joke uh, completely. So I, I would, and that's partly kind. Of, I think MTV as a collective has become kind of a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the late nineties, with like they were dominating the airways with TRL, and they they kind of pushed the the what would become the reality TV revolution started at MTV. So the MTV awards were just another part of that whole like ship that was just plowing through everything that I think has dropped off substantially, but you know, we've seen other awards come and go. And so maybe it's time the golden globes just end. Um, and unless they make some major changes and I would have to say they have to be a little more transparent. Cause I think that's part of the problem that's been brought up is that this has apparently been an issue, but nobody mm-hmm. knew because people don't know what this is even um, like, I don't even know what the Hollywood foreign press association does. Nope. 
So I like, can't help you there, friend. So it's it, it is weird that they've had so much, uh, you know, uh, immersion into our culture. So um, I think it's cool seeing uh, Hollywood kind of standing up against it and basically saying, "Yeah, we don't even need these. Like, why do we even, you know, just for the free food? I guess at the the event." Um, to get dressed up fancy and go to a gala. Uh, I mean, obviously we all like to be recognized for our awards, but let's not forget, this is the same organization that gave the Martian best comedy <sighs> a few years ago. And I know that's not saying everything, but it says something. Cause that movie says an while, awful lot. Yeah. While there are funny moments, it is not a comedy. And to basically shove that in so it could get an award over actual comedies or musicals. Cause that is also a weird hybrid car- category. That's always bothered me. It's like, why are they the same category but um yeah so that was my topic i don't know had you heard about this beforehand um i kind of seen something about it online today but then i seen that you were you wanted to cover it so i thought well i'll let you describe it probably more eloquently than i could understand it so uh and you have explained it very well um firstly on the globes yeah, yeah the whole musical or comedy thing is it's stupid. The Globes exist as a pat on the back for everyone involved in Hollywood. You know, yeah. let's, let, let's let's push Spiral, the Book of Soaring, as a musical or comedy, just so we can get Chris Rock or Sam Jackson to turn up. It's just like that. And Tom Cruise and Scarlett Johansson are exactly the kind of people that the organisers of the Globes would court to turn up to their event. Let's mm-hmm. nominate their films so they can show up, legitimise our our awards so um we can be all over the social medias and all over the uh, websites and newspapers look look who's turned up to our event the fact that they won't be they won't be turning up going forward is a massive blow to the globes but also not to nhfpa as well but also the fact that nbc have pulled the uh have pulled the uh stream next year the event that's massive yeah that's really massive and it's it's good it's it's great it's time for reform you know, reform is needed across the board, not for not for box ticking, not for anything like that. But because why not? You know, I mean, what, what, yeah. what, why, why, why is why are things like the way they are? If I knew the answer, I'd probably be in charge of the free world. I don't know, but there needs to be a change for all the right reasons. There is no, there is literally no negative to be taken from this, except for some kind of C-list film styles or TV styles may not get to attend a gala next year. Boo-hoo. But I thought, so I, So this and Tom Cruise doing it, I can only stand up and applaud. I think this is a great move. Yep. Agreed. I agree completely. There we are. All right. Well, that is our chuffed headlines. Let's move into media consumption. These are movies, TV, video games, movies, uh, said movies, but music, podcasts, and uh, anything else that we use to pass the time from the last time we recorded. So Matt, it seems like you have not had a lot of free time, uh, but what have you been uh, consuming? Well, I've, like I said, I've been, I've been under the weather and I am the kind of person who, when it's under the weather, I will either, you know, curl up and do nothing or I'll sit and watch films all the time. Usually I'll just sit there with a blanket on and just bend through comfort films like Wayne's world, Makita's donuts. Um, but this week I, um, I've sorry, I was, I, I'll mention this bit in a minute as well, but, Basically, I, I got a hold of a copy of Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 8, the new uh, Resident Evil game that came out um, only a few days ago now. So that turned up on Friday evening, I think it was. So I've been playing that all weekend. Um, I'm not the biggest gamer, though I would like to play more games. So it took me a little longer than probably, I don't know, the 
the more experienced gamers out there. Apparently, it takes most people about eight hours to complete this game. It took me a little longer, but mm. so in 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 amongst um, being ill, I was basically playing Resident Evil Village most of the weekend for the free time that I had and when I was awake. So um, I, that's literally all I've done. I haven't watched any films. I've been watching some soccer, of course, as John has too. But um, I haven't checked out any films other than um, The Mitchells versus The Machines and Resident Evil Village. That's all I've been doing. But I can say that Resident Evil Village is excellent. I've completed it, and now it's, it's really, really, really very good. It looks good. It plays well. It scared the hell out of me at times. Um, it ties in narratively so very well to the entire Resident Evil story. So if anybody out there is a Resident Evil fan and knows the lore, what Village does for it is potentially very big there's a lot of um, contextual uh, narrative decisions they do here which i think are great and there's lots of good setup going forward so it's a big big thing within the resident evil um, law and fandom and obviously a lot of the marketing was based around lady dimitrescu the like the nine foot vampire lady and uh, she's great in the game as well so if you like nine feet alluring vampire ladies then you'll enjoy yourself with this game but if you don't like scary games steer clear because the whole the whole game is just has this suffocating tension hanging over it it's not as scary as resident evil 7 which was a pant wettingly scary but it is still a resident evil game at heart it's still quite creepy quite terrifying so if you like games check it out if you like resident evil definitely check it out if you're not one for scary stuff, I would steer clear just because it will it will scare you. But that's all I've been doing, man. Yeah, I um my um my friend group has always been really into Resident Evil and the Silent Hill franchises. Yes, I like the story, and I I don't mind a scare when I'm watching a movie or something. But something about playing a video game like this just puts my anxiety levels through the roof, and I tend to not enjoy playing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's hard enough to figure out what the game wants you to do. But then they add like these like stalking figures that just are always after you. So you can't stand still and try to figure it out. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to do this. Like this is to me. I tried to play resident evil seven this weekend. Um, because I haven't beat seven or biohazard. If you want to be accurate, because it doesn't say seven in the title. And I, I, man, I got to one part and I'm like, you know what? This, this feels awful. I don't want to do this. Like I don't, I don't play video games to heighten my anxiety. <laughs> so it's if a game is triggering that, I'm just like, nah, I'm checking out. So probably won't do seven. Eight. We'll do that too. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to seven or not, but I do have it. It's free with game pass on Xbox uh, and also on computer, because if you have game pass on the Xbox, you get a lot of the same games on your PC, which I just did update my PC not long ago. So it's been fun, but I keep finding a lot of games just stress me out and I don't want to play them. So that's uh that's where I'm at with that. But um I have not not as many movies as I normally do, but uh I Blank Check has just started their John Singleton um nice. uh, series. And so we start strong with Boys in the Hood as he comes out the the box uh with that um, masterpiece of a film. I've not seen it in a long time, but the episode about the the movie is very, very good. Um I need I it made me want to rewatch it though, because I, I definitely think it's it maybe I was too young even when I saw it. I know all the, like the iconic scenes and I've rewatched a lot of like the Lawrence Fishburne mo- uh, monologue and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I, I'm familiar with the movie very much, but I, I definitely could it could stand a rewatch. And today they dropped their uh, Patreon episode. Um, they're they're so at the end of every episode of Blank Check, they do a box office game, and um, the idea is so if the movie was released on like May third, nineteen eighty nine, uh, Griffin can usually guess the top five movies because he has a, a penchant for box office numbers. <laughs> um, now, before nineteen eighty three or so, they they had not had the information because Box Office Mojo and or the numbers uh, did not have anything before that year or whatever. Telling me, mate, astrology. And, uh, and so they, there's apparently ebooks you can get on Amazon um, that have all those numbers. Um, they don't have the they have the top five. They okay. don't necessarily tell you the numbers for those specific release dates. And so they're going back uh, this this Patreon episode is every movie that they've done on the show that didn't have a specific box office day, they're playing the box office game for on this episode. Nice. So it's been like, I'm like, it's a two and a half hour episode. I'm like an hour into it. And uh, it's been great. Cause one, some of the box offices are movies that you like never heard of because uh, everything before jaws, right. Um, was only released in small markets. So the box yep. office of that weekend is, is going to be weird, right? Like depending on just what was happening or how long a movie had been out, will more likely dominate so there's some movies uh that i'd never heard of and then when they did the i don't remember what movie they covered from 1970 but the weekend that they covered was the weekend love story came out well uh, yes sorry love story had been out for like several months but it was it was still the top of the box office because of how movies were released at the time and i'm like i guess love story pretty quickly because i'm like oh i know that movie because uh, astrology as you mentioned yep um but so i've been listening to those uh, a couple other podcasts i listen to throughout um uh i do listen daily to uh, uh what a what a day um podcast which is a news like a daily news podcast yeah you said about um, that one yeah yeah i don't i don't bring that up here a lot but it, it is um i i like to try to stay informed um but i don't always have time to like read a bunch of stuff or uh you know there's so many different sources so i found a couple of podcasts that i like that's one that i go to uh for news it's not always some i don't like when they do interviews usually because i feel like it just takes up so much of the episode and mm-hmm. i'm there for like headlines more so than i am for like you're there for them as well yeah right so but uh overall good podcast too um uh the big show that i watched this week which um, matt you got to get on this uh both Dude. matt's brother and i have been telling him he needs to watch this so uh matt <laughs> um uh mighty ducks game changer on disney plus game changers um, I love the Mighty Ducks trilogy. I know I mentioned the, this show on our last episode because I think I'd watched the first three episodes yep. before we recorded. I have now caught up, which I didn't realize. I actually thought the entire series was out there. I have three weeks to go now. Um, one episode a week, which is just not enough. Uh, Emilio Estevez is so in the zone for this show. Like, I don't know where he's been the last <laughs> couple of years, but it seems like he hasn't really been a relevant actor. But I think he might have hit that Martin Sheen, uh, like hot spot where you know sheen was bad for a little while then he kind of came back and was like good again i think <laughs> emilio has found that zone i think he's where, been directing as uh, the estevez yes but i don't think anything like noteworthy right like he's done some stuff but yeah i mean nothing i don't think anything like i'm sure there was one which which had decent reviews that he directed um but i can't i can't remember what it was but it was a i think it's like a, a biopic or or, yeah, or I, I I feel like that's right, but he's he's so in the zone with this character, especially. And uh, there's again, I, one of the things I really like about this show um, is, for the most part, you do not have to have seen the movies to appreciate what the show is doing. 
which I think is great for a younger audience. And I hope this will be like a gateway for them to revisit the mighty ducks. Yep. Um, but if you are like us and you saw the movies and you like the movies, this is just, it's just so such a great continuation. Um, I really think Cobra Kai set the bar for this, like uh, not like it's, it's a soft reboot or it's a rebranding is, you know, it's a, it is a continuation. So it's not a traditional reboot, which starts everything over, but it's a new series that ties into the old series. It's a good show. And it's, it's, Cobra Kai was so so good and still is so good. I can't wait to see season four. Um, this feels like in that same vein where it's just like, wow, they really hit the sweet spot where it's there's enough nostalgia there to pull in people like me, but it's, there's enough new stuff here. And again, th- this doesn't require you to do tons of homework to be able to keep up with what's happening. Um, it's it's funny, it's uh, charming. There, I was. Um, I think I'd said episode four kind of scared me off because there was a trope coming, and so I stopped it like at the first couple minutes. But they <laughs> they navigate it in a really fun way, and it ends up not really. It doesn't lean on the trope the way I thought it was going to, and that that was refreshing. Um, there's just it's really good. I can't wait to see what happens with eight, nine, and ten. Um, you know, there's there's some frustrating moments for sure, but I, everything I think uh, that I've been kind of either slightly annoyed here or there is because of the it's it's a gear towards a younger audience this show is a disney plus kid friendly show that just happens to work for me too so mm-hmm. uh highly recommend and then let's talk movies i've only seen three since the last time we recorded and one of them was for movie club so if you want to hear Corey and i uh wax intellectual about this movie from 2004 called dig uh this month at movie club we are doing um music uh doc documentaries and Corey is a really big fan of fictional bands. Uh, I'm sorry. There are real bands that I think are fictional. <laughs> um, and one of them is the Dandy Warhols, uh, who yep. I had not, I had no real information on. Um, are, are you familiar with them? They certainly are real. Yes. Uh, wow. Uh, so have you seen dig? I haven't. No, I haven't seen dig. No, no. So dig is, uh, <laughs> it's actually about two bands. It's about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown massacre. massacre. Yes. And I, I've heard of this actually. No, my friend has seen this and he's told me to watch it for the last about 15 years and I haven't seen it. That's if your friend is named Brendan, that would be hilarious <laughs> uh, because th- almost the exact same situation for Corey. Brendan and Corey have seen um, Dandy Warhols together like three or four times. And he's been telling her to watch this documentary for years and she's had it for a while. Um, and it's a really good, it's a very interesting documentary. Uh, the, the, the personalities, the candidness of it is very compelling. It's, it's definitely worth, worth the watch. Um, and again, I knew very little about either band and I know I know a lot about both. Um, mm-hmm. I watched a documentary from last year. I think it was Oscar nominated. I don't know if it won, but it was time is the, the documentary. It's on Amazon prime. Um, a really, I mean, just hard to watch at times, super inspiring at other times. Um, it's sad. It's, um, but definitely still inspirational. It's really, really good on Amazon prime. Uh, I don't want to get into too much, but it's, it's in black and white. It has a lot of footage. It's filmed for like, I think 18 years. It has mm-hmm. to be like 18 years worth of footage that uh, is in this, that they, you're not watching all of it. So it's not even that long. I think it's like just under two hours. Um, but there's a lot of footage that uh, is filmed by the, the, the focal point uh, the person who is really following and then you can tell a difference when it's home video versus like when they started making the documentary because the quality of video like really picks up. Um, but definitely worth checking out if uh, if you missed it. I missed a lot of the the 
Oscar nominated docs. Um, and that was, that was one I'd heard about from the NPR um, pop culture happy hour. Uh, talked about it and I've been meaning to get to it. So I threw it on last night and I'm not disappointed. Good man. But the, the movie that really grabbed me this week. So I, I am a big Leonard Malton fan. Um, be, partly as, as a, I just, I like his persona as a critic, but also yeah. he's been a regular of Doug Loves movies for years because Doug used to play the Leonard Malton game based on the Leonard Malton uh, movie guide. And so I've, I've been very, very aware of Malton's for like 10 years or more, like as, as a fan. And um, ironically, I can't listen to his podcast because his daughter drives me insane. But <laughs> um this weekend was the Turner classic film festival, or at least like a virtual version of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they paired up with HBO max because they have all the Turner classic movies. And Leonard recommended uh, five movies. And they had a lot of the TCM guys like recommend different movies. And two of them I'd never heard. Well, sorry, two of them I'd never seen. One of them I'd never heard of uh, scarecrow, uh, which I think is Al Pacino and um, Gene Hackman. I'd oh, never wow. heard of. Yeah, right. And I'm like, how do I not know this movie? Um, I, so that's on HBO Max. I'm going to be watching that. I haven't watched it yet, but The Taking of Pelham, uh, Pelham 1, oh, 2, 3. Yes. I'd never seen it. Um, I know that uh, Washington and... Uh, Ethan Hawke. Um, and is it Ethan Hawke? Yeah, I'm sure it's Ethan Hawke, isn't it? Oh, uh, Travolta's in it. Are they? Yeah. Uh, um, he's got to, surely he's in it. Surely Ethan Hawke's in it as well. He's got to be. Uh, now I gotta look it up because that's I didn't know that. No, he's um, not. I think I've just made double. Okay, yeah, I'm like he, they're in they're in a training day together. That's a very different that's movie. It. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I don't think the remake is supposed to be very good. Um, but fine. the original has always been pretty beloved. Uh, I had never. It's directed by Tony Scott, so you know there's that that could be good or bad. Um, but I had never seen this, and uh, I saw it on his list, so I was like, I want to check this out. I, I like. HBO Max is currently, I think it's the best streaming service. Um, aside from the fact that we're getting a bunch of new movies, most of what's on there is a higher quality than the amount of movies we have on like Prime or uh, especially, I think Prime's the worst with mm-hmm. the selection and quality ratio. There's so much on Prime that is trash. And what really drives me crazy is that Prime will have the same movie in three different prints and there's no way to tell which prints are good. Um, for like older movies, especially. And I don't know why they have it like that. Like, well, the, like Nosferatu was a great example. They had like three different versions and some of them are not at all accurate. And there's, that's a historical problem with Nosferatu, but it's like, still like, come on prime, like take away the bad ones. Like don't leave all of them up. Um, yep. anyways, I don't mean to rant, but I was excited with this opportunity. Uh, so I know very little about this movie outside of that. I knew it was a remake, right? Or that they had remade it, I should say. Um, when I found out that Walter Matthau was in it, because I've I've seen a few Walter Matthau films this year, um, between uh, Ch- um, oh man, uh, Charade, the Odd Couple, uh, I, The Odd Couple, which I think was technically I watched last year, but still, it's like within the year. Um, a New Leaf, the an Elaine May movie, he's so good in, and so I was like, okay, cool, I'm all, I'm all on board with Matthau right now, so that's awesome. And then I realized Robert Shaw was in it, and I haven't got to see a lot of his movies, but he's in The Sting. And then obviously I love him as Quint in Jaws, which I've seen a million times. So I was on board right away to watch this movie and I loved this movie so much. Um, One, I love when I find out that uh, like I should have seen this movie so long ago because I've seen another film that is so blatantly inspired by it. 
Reservoir Dogs borrows the naming <laughs> convention. And I had no idea that that's where Tarantino had got the naming convention. Right. So like for me, it was like, my mind was blown. I'm like, Oh my God, he's Mr. You know, orange. And I'm like, Oh, what, what a shock. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because Tarantino notoriously pulls from other movies. I just oh, didn't yes. get that exact reference. So I was excited to like finally have that inside information. Um, young Jerry Stiller. Like, I mean, he's, he's not young, but he was like way younger than I think I've ever seen Jerry Stiller before. Um, I was really like, I was like, Oh my God, look at that. Um, yeah, this movie's great. It has one of the best, uh, and this is not an original thought. This is all over the place, but one of the best last shots of, of film history, mm-hmm. uh, Matt just nails this look that he gives. It's so great. Um, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend, uh, checking out, taking a felon one, two, three on, um, HBO max right now, but it's on other, you can get it on other digital streaming stuff if you don't have max, but, uh, if you have max, it's included. So take a, take a watch. Yeah, honestly, check out the taking of Pelham one two three, um, the nineteen seventy four version, the two thousand and nine version, yeah, yeah, which didn't have Ethan Hawking. That was fine. It was, but that was more to me. That's more action oriented. Whereas taking of Pelham one two three seventy four was a far better movie. It's just crafted so much better, and like the acting yeah. is excellent, and it's really, really, really very good. Um, it has a weird balance of comedy and uh, tension. Like there's mm-hmm. so, there's so much humor in it um, at times. It's just it's so jar. Even the ending is like pure comedy. Like it's so math out. Like just locked in in this weird comedic tone that I, it just works. Yeah, it was remade in 1998 for TV, starring Vincent D'Onofrio and Donnie Wahlberg as well. So and what? Uh, Edward James Olmos as well. Oh, oh, so, that uh, sounds awful. Oh, I'm gonna go and check that one out. Who's the villain? Is it? Is it? Uh, Let's have a look. God, Richard man. Richard shifts in it as well. Christ, uh, uh, it doesn't go down that far. But I'm also slightly scared to look at who the villain could be in this absolute car crash of a film. Oh I mean, man, TV movies are always pretty bad, anyways. But yeah, um, I've also listened to the Josh Horowitz Happy Sad Confused podcast. I listened to that. I mentioned it last week. I listened to that on and off. Um, I listened to the Martin Freeman episode over the weekend as well. So I did listen to a podcast as well. And I usually listen to that when there's a, you know, somebody on who interests me more than maybe some of the other guests. So I did do something else this weekend friend. There you go. Uh, something else to be added to the old list. So that is our consumption, everybody. That's what we've been consuming. Um, but before we go, we like to talk about how we stay bloody awesome. Something you have to put effort into, in order to keep this level of awesomeness going. So, Matt, what have you been doing uh, to stay bloody awesome? Uh, I've been taking medications to uh, stay um, stay bloody healthy. But um, yes. I've, as mentioned earlier on, game rentals. I, I signed up to a service I think it's called Boomerang here in the UK, and it's based on the old Netflix or Love Film model where um, obviously they have to do, do this for games because of digital code and whatnot. But you, uh, you sign up, you... You, you have a, a list of games you want to rent and whatever's at the top they send to you next day delivery you play it for as long as you want you can have the game for as long as you want as long as you're paying your ten dollars or whatever a month subscription you keep the game forever as long as you're paying um or you you play the game like i did resident evil you put it back in the um the free post envelope they send so i haven't got to pay for postage Stick it back in the post. They'll get that the next day, and they're going to send me um, The Last of Us 2. I think they're going to send to me Ooh. at some point in the next few days. So um, I've always I've, I've been wanting to get back into games for so long. I've, been, I've said it on this show many times that 
I used to play games so much up until about 2005. And there wasn't any reason. I never got, I, I was never too cool for games or, or grew out of them. Just stopped playing. I think I, I, I think I was just late getting one of the consoles. And after that, I just didn't get one until Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront came out in 2015. And I got the PS4. Um, but also, I'm a bit loath to spend £60, $70 on a game, which I'm probably only going to play once. I know that sounds kind of odd, but I'm going to drop £70 or something, play it, and then think, right, that's going to look good gathering dust on my shelf, 70 quid for 10 hours gameplay. However, if, if I can rent them, you know, pay 10 bucks a month, rent them, and then send it back, to me, that's perfect. For me, that's perfect as well. I can play the new releases the day they come out, or the old classics that I've missed out on. It's, and I, and it, it's like it's like a Cineworld Unlimited card or a streaming service. You can just go back in as much as you want. So mm-hmm. um, I've been putting a list of games together, getting some games rented, and um, catching up with some of the things I've missed out on so I can finally talk to people about games. So gaming and renting is what I've been doing to stay bloody awesome this week. But what about yourself? So... I think I might have mentioned uh, last summer I bought some binders and I, I condensed all my DVDs down into these like DVD binders like we used to do with CDs back in the day yep. uh, to clear shelf space. I just have so much um, I needed to reduce. And I, I took like two bookshelves down to one shelf with these three cases on it. Um, and uh, my friend, um, a co-worker, in fact, uh, they were organizing their Blu-rays and they did it with these um, thin plastic sleeves that have hold two discs and they also will hold the, the booklet, but they are, they become flat where there's basically like what, you know, a Blu-ray case takes like three quarters of an inch or so. This is like less than an eighth of an inch. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just literally got them in from Amazon today. And so now I'm going to do my Blu-rays, uh, the same way to clear more shelf space. Um, the only thing I'm going to keep my criterion boxes, but everything else I'm going to try to condense into these sleeves and, uh, I'm super excited about doing this. It's such a dumb thing, but I love messing with my movies and stuff. So um, I got two boxes to keep keep them in. I'm going to alphabetize them instead of having them kind of haphazardly organized. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to start uh, taking down all my, my Blu-ray boxes and uh, clearing up some shelf space so I can put all my pop vinyls where you can actually see what I have versus them just being stacked on top of each other. So, um, yeah. That's uh, how I'm saying Bloody Awesome is organizing my Blu-ray collection. There's something like horrendously satisfying about organizing stuff. Even if it's not cluttered, there's something really gets those uh, endorphins rushing through the brain when I I do that. It's like cleaning up a really uh, messy room. It's really satisfying. So my friend, that is, yes, maybe we're showing our age now, but that is bloody awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I mean... To be fair, I've always been kind of excited about that thing because I'm a nerd and I like I like organizing my collections of stuff and movies are something I collect. So I'm 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 excited to dive into it. I'll probably start. I might start tonight. I don't know. I was gonna wait until the weekend, but I, I'm a, I'm a little bit ahead on work right now, so I might actually have time to do it tonight. So I might start breaking down some of these boxes and clearing some shelf space. Good man. Sounds good to me. Well, that is. All we have for this week's episode, folks, um, we are going to be back next week with our review of Spiral from the Book of Saw, uh, or just Spiral now, apparently, depending on, uh, it looks like they're they're not pushing that element of it, but um, it also might be both of our, well, I have not been to a theater since March of 2020. You've gone at least once or twice, uh, I think, to, yep. see, to catch some things, but um, I'm, I'm very apprehensive, but also very, very excited to get back in the theater 
uh, the state I live in, I don't know. I'm probably one of the anomalies who haven't been back to the theater because so many people act like it's not happening here. Um, I've been trying to be responsible. I am vaccinated. And so, you know, I'm going to go still wear a mask and uh, hope for the best. I'm, I'm going to hope that spiral is not super po- populated. It might be, that's nerve wracking, but um, maybe, but I'm still, I'm going to venture out. I will see it this weekend or worst case a week from uh, the Monday after this weekend. Um, Monday night might be completely dead and be- probably a better choice to go that night. Um, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So you can uh, follow us on social media. If you are on Instagram, you can uh, find us bloody awesome movie pod. And on Twitter, you can find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And if you're old, if you're still on the old book face, you can uh, search bloody awesome movie pod. Um, and just to be clear, that's Facebook. I was making a joke. And uh, you can follow us individually. Um, I'm at BurkeReviews.com and everywhere at Burke Reviews. And Matt? Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd as well. And we ask if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, that you take just a few minutes and rate and review the show. It helps other listeners find us and helps the podcast grow and become sustainable. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,